Hello and welcome back to the Folk Podcast, episode 75. I'm so sad we didn't hit record sooner because we were having some really good banter. Uh, and we should have just been recording that the whole time. But we do have a guest today, uh, Lauren, who is actually a fellowship leader in our community as well. Um, and is helping with gatherings in the southeast, kind of? The south. It's the South. And so uh, we have her on today. Uh, we're going to ask her about her journey a little bit and then talk about serpents and dragons in Norse mythology. So it should be a great conversation. But we were making fun of Ian, as we normally do. And uh, the way we were doing this is because recently we had a community hike uh, here in Kentucky. And it was about 13 people, I believe. And we ended up talking about the folk podcast. So uh, they're all listening right now. They're all listening. And one of the things they mentioned is how much they love when we make fun of your stair-stepping, like your, your stair jokes. They absolutely love it. And I've theorized this for a while that like we've continued this joke for literal like dozens of episodes. And apparently it sticks. And apparently people think it's funny. So we're going to continue. Ian, do you have a comment? <laughs> we got a comment at this time, but you've all been ratted out by Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> We got to do fan service, man. Got to keep them happy. <laughs> no, it was honestly, it was really cool uh, getting to meet people uh, that listen to the podcast because obviously, I mean, most people know me through the YouTube channel and I always feel like our the podcast is kind of like this underground thing <laughs> that like only the, only the OGs really listen to uh, is the podcast. So it was cool getting Side to, piece. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because we don't really get comments. Like, yeah, Podbean has comments, but we get like one every two months. Uh, so it was interesting to get some feedback. And uh, I'm glad people like our banter because uh, we ain't shutting up. And I like the podcast. I miss it when we don't do it. Anyways, we're not here to talk about the podcast, mostly. We're here to talk about Lauren. How are you, Lauren? How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing good. I mean, we kind of are here to talk about the podcast because a little bit. That's what a podcast is. But, you know, right. it's all good. <laughs> Podcasts are very yeah. self aware. <laughs> yes. That's actually uh, a pretty good tie-in to self-awareness, I guess, will be a prevalent theme Oh, will it? in this, in this chat. Yes. Themes. Spoiler alert, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, oh, also a comment we got was, like, uh, the serious episode about, like, uh, loss and, uh, and death and whatnot. Uh, someone said they were just like, man, that episode hit differently because <laughs> I think they're so used to us being so jolly. And we're just like, yeah, death and chaos. And Ian not talking for 15 minutes straight and chaos. <laughs> uh, so right away, I guess, Lauren, I think the best way to get you into this conversation um, is where did it all start? So like give us a, an intro into like where your path with a, the old gods started. Yeah. So um, I got into it from the witchcraft avenue, um, as is pretty common, I guess, for a lot of the people in the discord, at least. But um yeah, it was kind of one of those moments where this was years ago, I think 2018 ish, um, where I was just on YouTube and I don't even remember what video it was. I don't remember how, but it was kind of one of those moments of, wait, this is a real thing. People do witchcraft. That's a, that's a thing. Um, and yeah, so I just started researching and getting into that. And I was raised in a vaguely Christian um upbringing I went to Catholic high school even though my parents weren't super you know super forceful with everything so I was raised around that kind of a, a situation where religion and, and faith was not something I was very interested in at first so I kind of practiced on a more um, witchcraft side without deity work and all that sort of 
things that come along with that for quite some time, for about a year, year and a half or so, um, until I just decided to look into it a little bit more. And then I started working with the Greek deities like Artemis and Apollo um, for a little bit first before I actually found your YouTube as soon as I started. Yeah, it was you. Um, but no, I had started looking into the Norse gods and, and things like that, um, just from like an ancestral standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, just started uh, started on that path and never looked back. So I always like, you got, oh, Caleb, you got some bang? Is this all because of Jake? Is this because of our <laughs> MMA episode that you were just like, man, oh. I need to get some bang. <laughs> Go pour it out for Thor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this I'm is a good transition for me to I wear out my tired of shit. <laughs> hear this. Ooh. I hope the audience can hear that. He's pouring it from a French yeah. class, everybody. <laughs> He's a bougie bitch. In my Fellowship of Northern Traditions mug. <laughs> pinkies up, everyone. <laughs> Speaking of pinkies up, but... you have some uh, very close British uh, relatives, don't you, Lauren? Yeah, my mom. Um, my That's right, yeah. Yeah, my mom's from Liverpool, um, so shout out to all the Scousers out there, um, if there's any watching, um, and shout out to all the British people that just cringed when I said that. Um, oh, <laughs> if Liverpool we really want a bit of a Terry and all the but, other British you know. to cringe, can you like give us an accent? Like, can can you pull Absolutely an accent? Not. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> you can't just pull that out. What? <laughs> no, I'm gonna embarrass myself enough on this podcast. I'm gonna leave Same. that in for maybe the second time I'm on here or something oh, like that. Fucking pip, pip, um, cheerio. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Terry rolling up his sleeves already. <laughs> uh, you gotta get on yeah. that plane, and kick my yeah. ass, kick your ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, go. Um, but yeah, I actually I went to university over there um, for a couple years, so lived in London for. Oh about three years but yeah all my mom's family is still over there except for my uncle who moved to australia so he's pretty cool but yeah it was pretty cool do you think um having that close connection to england uh influenced your pagan path a little bit because i mean wicca did start in england it did um i was never interested in wicca to be honest with you just because it was more of the aversion to like the faith and worship aspect in general um when i first started i was just like eh, not really into that i just want to stick to like herbalism and things of that nature um but yeah but definitely every time i visited scotland um my brother and his wife got married over there and, and things like that it, it was definitely a magical experience and that was before i even started practicing so looking back on those memories memories now uh i want to go back really bad it's been it's been far too long it's been about three years since i've been over there but yeah it's definitely helped um with i think the ancestor veneration aspect of the faith as well um knowing that is such a close tie to um, me personally. Caleb, Ian, I've been taking too much of the screen time. <laughs> Talk it up, I'm gonna drink my coffee. <laughs> no, I guess this is kind of start out. Um, I mean, for those who don't know you, like what, what deities do you primarily work with for those who don't know as far as the Norse uh, pantheon goes? That's a good question. Um, sorry, I have ADHD, so this is going to be a wild <laughs> ride from start to finish for all of y'all. <laughs> so just it's a podcast. Podcasts are naturally ADHD. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, so but primarily um, I work with Freya and Loki. Um, I don't have a matron patron relationship. That's not really I don't like labels. It's not my thing. Um, but yeah, they're the two that I work the most closely with. But I've also done work with Hal and Thor and recently Sigyn as well. Um, so I've been kind of, kind of sticking to Loki's family a little bit more recently, but yeah, Freya is definitely a huge influence as well. 
I'm not mistaken, wasn't it you that started the fireball offerings for Loki? <laughs> I don't know. I, I started them, but I've definitely, I actually, I don't use fireball anymore. I found this, um, this whiskey, it's called Cinerator. And it's basically fireball, but it's like 90%. <laughs> oh, that just sounds um, like it would hurt your insides. It's actually very smooth. It's dangerous. So I, I have been known to go up to people and ask if they want a Loki shot for a ritual. But. Now, what was the origin of the Oreos? Was that, that you? Was, that was a Ian thing that we decided to make yeah. fun of him. <laughs> so <laughs> he was supposed to they come were... to the first Southern Yule. Um, and we ended up putting a stack of Oreos on the hell altar. In honor of him because he couldn't make it and i hope to summon him yeah because everybody is yeah found out about my obsession my unnatural obsession for oreos it's like crack for me i mean what was so, you literally just told me like two days ago you're like jacob i'm upset with myself i didn't get mm -hmm. double stuffed oreos when i went to the store yep. i just got regular oreos mm -hmm. this was a whole conversation we had it was That's yeah nice. it was a slight to myself and i feel dirty for it still to this day <laughs> everybody makes mistakes it's all good all right. <laughs> Caleb, you got any questions right off the top of your head? Uh, I was getting ready to ask. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. What is one of the uh, what's one of the most uh, potent or most important um, experiences that you've had in the faith? Um, for for working with like the Norse gods specifically, or just like in my practice in general oh just in you know in general it could be one of the norse or it could be one of your ancestors things or whatever just one of the things that, stick, that sticks out to you the most <sighs> there's several um the reason i'll probably struggle to talk in the beginning about things like this because i don't really talk about my practice much because it's very sorry very much a like personal self-growth and like self-awareness is kind of why i said it's going to tie in later on um, so there's been a lot of personal revelations that I don't necessarily want to discuss on a public podcast <laughs> recently, but, um, as far as publicly, I would say that, um, the, the most recent was actually at the, the Yule gathering, the Kentucky Yule or not Kentucky, it was Ohio technically, but central Yule, um, after I did my first public ritual for the folk and everything, that was definitely a moment of like, oh, this is, yeah, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it was very much like an affirmation and I, I've said it a couple of times, but when everybody came up to me right after and said, you know, good job, like, yeah, I'm proud of you. You know, I didn't expect you to be that like calmer, like whatever. Um, it was definitely a moment of like self-worth and I felt Freya very, very strongly that whole weekend. Um, so she kind of, after that fact, kind of had that conversation um, about like, yeah, that, you know, this is your self-worth moment, you know, take it, own it. You deserve this. This is what you've been working towards sort of thing. So she's good at that. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone wondering there, uh, since you, we don't have video podcast and we've talked about it, but we don't do it currently. Uh, in the Ohio Yule video, if you go back and watch it, the first night, uh, the Lanvetir ritual, Lauren and Thora are the ones that actually put on that ritual. So um, really powerful ritual. I think uh, the fact that it was slightly raining really added to it, honestly. The ambiance, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was nerve wracking. I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you don't. You won't. You won't remember most of the rituals you actually do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Write them down. <laughs> yeah. 
for sure. <laughs> no, I was actually just doing this uh, just yesterday. I had not written in my physical journal about like the uh, the Odin ritual from that gathering. And I was like, mm -hmm. I need to do this. And I sat down. I was like, fuck, what did I say? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> You're supposed to be my backup. You're the one watching it. Me and Caleb can't remember <laughs> these things. That's why the videos are so good, though. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I go back and I'm just like, I watch them to see what actually happened that weekend. Um, so as like kind of bringing us into the dragon and serpent conversation here, uh, like where did this kind of interest, you mentioned Freya and Loki, you mentioned this uh, witchcraft background. Uh, so where, uh, you know, this is the thing you brought up. You were like, I want to talk mm -hmm. about dragons and serpents. So like, where did that kind of start? So that, um, that started with the witchcraft. So that was actually prior to, um, working with the Norse gods. So when I started going down that YouTube rabbit hole of, oh, witchcraft is real. Let me learn about this. Um, I found out that apparently working with dragons is also a thing. And I was like, that's kind of spooky because I've always had kind of a, a childhood connection and with them and, and things like that. So um, yeah, it was, it was just one of the avenues of magic that I started working with, um, dragon magic. And I will say this real quick for anybody if they happen to be watching this that um, works with dragons. I do not practice the draconian path. I do not do draconian magic. Don't ask me about the five rings. Don't ask me what horde I work with. That's not the kind of work that I do. If that bothers you, my Instagram is at L-I-L dragon witch. You can feel free to send me a DM request. I will happily delete it. But um, <laughs> yeah, that is a separate thing. What <laughs> is very... this like niche? like hate community of the dragon worshipers what is happening here i thought heathen i was getting ready to say the same thing like, yeah it's... Shit. I, like all i know is he says don't ask me about the five rings like, the Man, apparently the it's harsh out there i want to know about this now <laughs> no it's just it's a very specific path um that it's is it like uh the difference it's a lot between, of edgelords uh, like uh get upset about satanists and luciferians is it kind of like kind that? of yeah it's yeah i i've my experiences with um Satanists, they're genuinely, generally more um, kind. I don't know. The, the, the limited experience I've had with people that, um, that practice this, they think that that's like the only valid way to work with dragons. And if you're not doing it the specific way, you have to be chosen. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's intense. And a lot of them, I think, are missing the point of, um, just missing the point of working with dragons in the first place. But well, and I think that we can yeah, blueprint it, that it, idea in, in heathenry and in paganism in general is mm -hmm. we've broken ourselves down into so many of these small little subgroups. And it just gets kind of bonkers after a while. And, you know, and I, I just had this thought today. I'm like, you know what? I think some people just are missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very much like it's a it's an initiatory sort of thing. It's very ceremonial. And um, yeah, that's that's not the way that I practice. So. And yeah, I will say, oh, right. go ahead. Go ahead, Ian. I was gonna say, I remember having a conversation with you about about this particular practice way back, like when I would say the Discord was probably like barely a hundred people. I think it was mm -hmm. a long time ago. Um, and I'm trying, yeah, I remember you kind of talking about it and going into some detail. And I'm trying to remember like the basic like rundown of what you explained, isn't it? It's kind of something like I don't want to say like like totem animal kind of aspect or like spirit animal kind of. Thing, but somewhat similar along that lines, where there's like a, a spirit, like a dragon spirit, that's kind of like connected to you in some way or something like that. Yeah, From what I remember it was a, that was a long time ago that conversation. It was. I'm probably <laughs> it was butchering that whole thing. No, um, you're remembering 
correctly as you know it was a long time ago but um it, yeah it's definitely not like a totem in that specific aspect but um there is you know there's a bunch like dragons are as individual as human beings um and far more vast so when you go into working with them there are um there's a lot of quote-unquote lesser dragons just younger that work you know more closely in the earth and in midgard and um with humans so most of the time people that are looking for um you know to work with the dragon those are the ones that they're going to encounter because those are the ones that are actively looking for humans you know that that want to help them you know they're helpful but um when you're going into the past you have to go and, and get basically there's a lot of different ways to say it there's a lot of different names things like that um the ones that people that i work with call them are like there's a guardian dragon which is like a younger dragon that is basically duty is to protect you and make sure you don't go off and get into a bunch of spiritual crap <laughs> because you don't know what you're doing um and then there's you know further past that sometimes people have them as the same one but um there's also like a, a partner dragon which we call like a co-magician or like a co-mage or something like that it's just the name that stuck with the um my mentor and the people that you know learn from him um yeah and so they are the ones that are older and they actually teach you more specific lessons it's it's they're less of a companion and more of like a mentor kind of thing um but yeah, so let I me see if i can pull this a little bit towards the direction of knowledge base that i can speak on a little bit uh hmm. you know for the audience out there that doesn't really know much about this um like these dragons like what when you say dragon, like where do they exist? Like, you know, in what way do we kind of interact with them? Are they like in a godlike way and in a, in a spirit type way? Uh, like where are they, where are you actually interacting with them? No, so that's a, that's a good segue actually. Um, they despise being worshiped. <laughs> and this is something we'll get onto later when I'm talking about Jormungandr and, and things like of that nature. Um, but yeah, they, they exist. Um, and I guess like the astral plane. It's the easiest way to explain it. Um, so through meditations and, and trance work is where you're going to actually like interact with them mostly. Um, once you get more attuned to their energies and stuff like that, you can kind of feel them just like you would feel the gods, you know, um, in your everyday sort of life. Um, but yeah, it's mostly mostly trance work for sure. Yeah, um, I was actually just reading this in the the shaman book that I, I've been really really enjoying. Uh, I need to actually write down the author, but it's the way of the shaman. And it was mentioning how people uh, sh like shamans in South America actually mentioned that you can have a dragon as a power animal or what we would call a filigia. Um, and that this is a common thing that, you know, when they're their youth, I forget what tribe it was, but like they see that everyone needs to have their power animal and discover it uh, so much so that like everyone in the tribe is meant to go find them at a certain age. Uh, and so one of the things they're like, yeah, you can actually find dragons as your power animal. And they're very, you know, like very rare. It's not like it's like an everyday thing, but they, you know, they acknowledge it. And that's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I would hesitate to say that you could have one as a filia just because personally, I, I feel like filia are more of a representation of yourself. And it's kind of it goes a little bit more into like the draconian path i guess i think one of their main goals is like to like ascension and, and things like that i think that they their end goal might be to like become the dragon i don't i don't really know i, I can't speak on that but personally i wouldn't say that it would be affilia necessarily i feel like that might be a little bit of a stretch or you have to be like a really special person but i mean i'm not saying it's impossible but um yeah <laughs> i just had I a to say earlier that stuff sounded fairly hermetic uh the way that mm -hmm. you're describing that 
the way that some of the people are with the dragons. And I've just got to throw this in there too, because like I couldn't help it earlier whenever you said that like most of them that you would interact with are younger dragons. Couldn't Mm -hmm. help but like the only thing in my head was Spyro. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah. Guardian, I mean, yeah, guardians (laughs) typically are quite small, like in that regard, you know, they're (laughs) they're usually like house cat size or you know, Spyro. So, you know, it could happen. (laughs) Spyro Mushu confirmed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I had a thought. So one of my guilty pleasures, I, it's only on a certain type of day. It's like a PJs and Ben and Jerry's kind of day. Like if I had to, if I was having a period, like it would be that day. And uh, it's what I watch Wife Swap. I'll admit it. I watch Wife Swap every now and then. And there was an episode where they switched like a super conservative Christian woman and like a Wiccan family. And like one of the things like for the drama is like the guy, the, the husband, the, the Wiccan family kept on mentioning that if she like kept doing stuff that it was going to awaken the dragon, that he was going to turn into a dragon. Is this <laughs> Like what? <laughs> and this is like 2010. Like this is a really old episode. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy actually, he, he thought he was turned into a dragon. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Don't wake the dragon. I can't help but just think of like really cheesy kung fu movies. Like, a, isn't there like one of Bruce Lee's movies? What are called? Like, uh, Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. There we go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Like, like... Yeah, there's a there's a lot of um a lot of Eastern mythologies and and things like that. And that's one of the most fascinating things I think as well about dragons is that they are so prevalent in every single culture across the world. It's like you can't really. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because like I was just I was either reading something or it was a video that I came across I can't remember exactly um, a couple of weeks ago and it kind of it was you know talking about dragons and uh, kind of the difference between how they were looked at based off of regions on the planet and stuff where you have you know obviously like more of the European aspect like dragons were you know like sought after because they had hordes of treasure and it was like glory they slay one and etc. And then you have more of like the East Asia or just Asia in general area where dragons are more revered as uh, kind of like what you were saying, like teachers and guides and mentors and things like that. And they were more worships more so than like hunted down. Mm-hmm. Same with, I mean, like what Jacob mentioned with like South America. I mean, a lot of like Mayan and Incan uh, pyramids and stuff like that. And, and some of their uh, artwork has dragons all over. It. I mean, one of their deities was a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I have a personal opinion on that, actually, as the, especially in England and whatnot, you know, slaying the dragon, King George and all of that. Um, it, to me, serpents have always symbolized paganism. Um, and that's just a thing, you know, uh, you know, in Ireland and St. Patrick and all that, taking the snakes out of Ireland, there was never snakes in Ireland, it was pagans. Um, so I think that the European depiction of dragons are, more so like that because of the Christian influence and wanting to eradicate the power that they gave because in the Eastern cultures and South American and whatnot, you know, they were wisdom givers and mentors and teachers and they wanted to help and and give people that knowledge to be self-aware and self-sufficient. And obviously, you know, historically, Christianity is not a fan of that. They want them to listen to, you know, the, the church's teachings and whatnot. So that's kind of my personal opinion on why the European dragon is always seen as like greedy and, and hoarding and everything. It's like, well, actually, maybe they were just hoarding knowledge and, you know, things like that. But. So mind blowing moment right here. Ian, do you remember at the Hopperstad Stave Church in uh, the Yumcom Center? Do you remember what, what was on the door of that search? 
yeah it was it was like dragons being slain they're like wasn't it it was like a bunch of yeah so like, like the way the tour guide it. described it to us it's funny i just watched this video the other day because i love that video seriously if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched like the vikings in america the young commissator seriously watch that video like ian and i are both in it amazing video honestly one of the most proud works i've done and um on that door the tour guide was telling us that the theory is that it represents the conversion of norway into uh christian because this church was one of the earliest churches built after the conversion era and so uh the actual like door itself has lines at the bottom bottom which usually are the representation of christianity uh shooting out tendrils that are wrapping around dragons and basically like bringing them down uh so that's you know as soon as you say that i mean that right there you know leads to proof of what your personal uh theory is on that i would say mm -hmm. yeah there's i mean there's i know i think Eric Harger has done like a, a very long, extensive video about serpents and things like that, where he kind of goes into it a little bit more in depth. Um, I don't have an academic brain. I can't just like list a bunch of sources and things like that. But I know it's it's definitely a common common thought of um, theory, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, like, that's where I draw the line as like a YouTuber, because again, I'm not like the scholar by any means. And I look at like the even the Wikipedia page for uh, dragons, and it's just like so much from so many different cultures. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's one of the reasons I don't talk about shamanism so publicly on YouTube, because I'm just like, there's just too much. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't really talk about my practice too much, because I'm just not that kind of person in the first place. I don't talk about myself often, but it's it's such a vast topic and it's so individual to each of the people that are, you know, going down that path. It's very, very similar to shamanism in that regard, where it's more of an internal practice, at least the way that I do it, um, instead of, you know, showy. So is this something that like, you know, if someone messages you after this podcast and says, I want to get into venerating dragons, what do you, what would you say? Um, I would tell them, first of all, it's not going to be venerating. <laughs> it is going to be essentially working on yourself with their aid. Um, so my dragons, first and foremost, what they are concerned with above anything else is balance. And that's balance within themselves, yourself, the universe, everything. So if you come to them and you want their help in order to grow as a person, as you know, a practitioner, um, in your magic practice, whatever, they will be quite happy to help you, but you have to be aware that they are going to, they're not going to mess around. They're not going to mess around with your feelings. They're not going to do things on the way that you want them to do them. They're just going to do, they're going to take the easiest point from point A to point B. Um, and that is one of the first lessons that I learned, <laughs> I guess, because when I first decided I want to go down this path, um, you know, I, I reached out to them through meditation and, and kind of let my intention be known um, that, you know, this is the path I want to take. Um, where are we going to go from here? Two weeks later, I lost my job, moved home and broke my ankle and I was out of commission for six months. So like that wasn't the path that I was, I wasn't supposed to be, you know, where I was, I wasn't supposed to be in that job. I was unhappy anyway, you know, at that job. So they are not going to, they're not, <laughs> they're not going to mess around. They're, they're going to, if you want their help, they will help you, but they're going to go for it. So I, I would say you have to really be ready to commit to that level of dedication to bettering yourself. So it, it almost sounds like, a, to me, like just kind of like processing it in my own head, more of almost like a, a an, another like form of shadow work, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's that's definitely a huge component of it because you know you have to to be balanced in yourself. You have to embrace both the 
light and the dark aspects of yourself, the best and the worst, you know, you have to be aware of that and you have to be able to work through it. So yeah, shadow work is definitely a big part of it. So I'm trying to think, do we want to go down the funny route? I got a funny thing I can say. I've been saving this. Okay. You want the funny thing? Okay. Uh, did you did you watch that dragon documentary that came out like years ago that was like dragons are real and it had like the scorched head of a t-rex with the claw marks on it no <laughs> oh first off you need to watch I want it to know. it's a total yeah. hoax like all of it's a hoax it's just like that mermaid shit that came out it's just like the megalodon it was on discovery channel yeah. yeah it was on discovery it was like the first one they started doing where they're like right at the very beginning they flash like something really quick it's like this is completely all false and not real and it cuts away and then it's just like it has all these people in suits and stuff they're like yes we have found evidence of dragons existing and you're like oh my god and to my like seven-year-old self i was freaking out because like they straight up had this t-rex skull that i guess they painted black or something like that and it had like claw marks and they're like we have evidence that dragons were real that's amazing. I'm definitely going to look that up after this. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I don't even know. I'm going to see if I can find it, but it, it has to be like super old at this point. Yeah. Dude, every yeah. time you mention that stuff, I can only ever think of like this. You were talk, talking about that story of like, I think you were working in a restaurant and you were talking about the mermaid thing and losing your shit about it. Yep. Oh, I fell for it hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, there are plenty of people that, uh, that believe that I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, I think it's here it is. I think it's uh, The Last Dragon from 2004. Wow, this looks really bad now. I'm looking back on it. Um, it's called an alternative scientific history documentary. <laughs> what the fuck is an alternative, alternative history scientific documentary? <laughs> I mean, I think that hits all of the all the checkpoints. <laughs> yeah, I think I like is, Patrick though. Stewart to like, like narrate it or something, I think. I am so surprised you would agree to that. He, he agrees to paychecks, I think, is what he I'm agrees about, to. That's very true. That's what he's agreeing to. As he should. As he should. <laughs> so, uh, like, as far as, like, uh, you know, real dragons, like dragons that were actually scaly and breathe fire and that kind of stuff, uh, like, where does that kind of come from? I mean, is that something that, like, were they real at one point? Like, the way we see the gods, like, at one point they probably walked the earth and they kind of went into the ethereal. Is that kind of the way dragons are? Like, how, how does that kind of view in the, the dragon community? Um, yeah, in, like, a simple way, I would say yes. Um, they're always very sketchy when you ask specific questions like that. Time is very, very different for them, so... Um, they, yeah, the general consensus is at one point, very, very, very long ago, I'm sure they probably did, you know, just as the Fae used to walk, you know, in Gaelic tradition and, and things like that. Um, but it's been so long now, there's, there's no real dragons on earth. I'm sorry to burst anybody's bubble. It's, I mean. <laughs> I watched that documentary. I'm gonna message you something mean on Instagram. <laughs> go for it i will read it and i will laugh and then i will delete the request <laughs> well it wouldn't be a dm request from you but <laughs> uh so as far as the serious note uh I, I guess the best way to transition this for the norse uh, the nordic community norse pagan community uh what about the dragons that we know of there as far as let's start with a uh, jormungandr like uh how does yes. that relate um this is going to segue into the let's make fun of ian portion of this <laughs> I know you're excited. I didn't no, sign up uh, for this part. <laughs> yeah, no, you um, I, yeah, no, I, it's, I agree with you in the essence of what you say every time you mention Jormungandr. It's just the tone of voice that you use whenever you say, what could I offer to Jormungandr? <laughs> every time you say it, <laughs> every time you say it, I can hear the derision. And I'm just like, 
Ian, you son of a gun. Um, <laughs> but no, but I, I do agree because like I said, they don't, they're not in the business of being worshiped. There's literally nothing you could offer, even a giant, you know, ox head that you throw into the ocean. Yorming Gunner is going to look at you and be like, what are you, what are you doing? What do you want? Leave me alone. Um, so in that regard, if you want to, you know, create a temple to him and worship him, I would not recommend it. I mean, Temple I'm not going to tell you, not going to tell you how to live your life, but um, I will caution you that he probably won't care at all. Um, yeah, it's definitely more, it's more of the, um, in the way that you describe talking to Fenrir, Ian, it, it's more of if you have something that he can help you with, if there is something that you actually need to ask him, you know, he'll help you out. It's not a, you know, he's not above that um but i mean it, it's better be something that he actually can help you with you know what i mean um in my perspective it's easier for me to i guess communicate with um yarmangander um because i have those other dragons with me you know that that's one of the main reasons why when you go down you know dragon magic path you need to have your partners with you because they're going to sit there and they're going to, you know, they're going to feel that energy first and foremost, because if you don't have that to kind of like, yikes, you know, um, I almost passed out the first time I did like a, the most simple dragon ritual, um, because the energy is just intense. It's strong. It's a vibration, you know? Um, and if you don't have that kind of buffer that will probably get very, very scary. Um, but yeah, it's definitely doable, but not advisable unless you have a very good reason um and obviously as a serpent yormangander is good for rebirth you know shedding the skin that sort of thing that's what i've always contacted him for in the past but it's it's definitely not one of those things you kind of want to go into blindly so it's almost like more of like just tapping into something rather than harnessing anything oh correct yeah there's no way you would ever be able to contain that sort of the primal energy <laughs> unless you get a bunch of people together you build a temple called the temple of the vim and then you try to do something scary i mean i'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that have tried to do that oh i'm sure i'm sure they oh, yeah. yeah i'm sure there's plenty of people that have tried um and my thoughts and prayers to them <laughs> yeah because i know pray say it's pray say it's. <laughs> right. uh because i know i i can't recall the exact place where i read this but i did come across it was very just a quick little like snippet or like a line in a book or something that i read um, where there was a very niche, small cult of the serpent that mm -hmm. focused around Jormungandr. And it wasn't very, like, very big, obviously, like a very big grouping. But for all we know, that's probably, they could not have even existed. It's kind of like one of those, like, urban legend kind of, like, groups, I would almost mm -hmm. say. But I mean, I wouldn't put it past, like, a small group of, of people that would potentially try to do something like that or oh, yeah. focus around yeah. that. Yeah, I've read that as well. I think probably the same article or, or whatever. I've seen that and I was like, Ooh, yikes. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it happens. I'm sure they're, you know, as I said, my DMs are not open, but you can feel free to send me a request <laughs> um, if you're upset about what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, it's just, if you think about it, that is such a primordial energy that if you're not attuned to it, if you're not used to it, if you don't take baby steps to get there, then you could just be completely you know caught off guard by that so so like i might have come across that same article so i keep interrupting you every time Jeremy. no I, i'm just i've had a lot of coffee now so i'm very excitable please talk caleb 
<laughs> I think I came across the same article y'all are talking about with the uh, the cult of the snake, though I didn't really look into it because I think I found it when I was looking into um, doing research on like the star car headdresses and things like that and the uh, what the ancient Caledonian people practice, what some people call like the cult of the deer, because there was mm -hmm. a lot of like the uh, the rituals around it and the magic involved with hunting them and then doing things with their uh, their hide and bones and antlers and stuff after they died but yeah from what i remember it's like it was a very very quick little like like gee whiz information and it's one of those things yeah like where a lot of it there's a lot that isn't really known it's it's like somewhat known that they possibly existed so it's yeah like one of those weird like secret society cult like following so to speak i don't know yeah i'd have to try to dig up where that would where i even read that from because it's it's such a very like quick little thing of hey this may or may not have been a thing like there is some you know reported you know or alleged reportings of like this had been a thing and probably may still is or has come back you know so to speak in modern time i'm sure to some degree but obviously they probably do stuff way differently um but yeah it's just it's one of those very like niche urban legends i would say in like the faith yeah, I don't doubt that they existed, but um, the fact that it's not well known is probably more of a testament to the fact that he don't really care about that kind of stuff. Well, it's like human history is fascinating because I feel like whenever religion pops up, there's always an opposing force that pops up alongside of it. And so I can almost guarantee you that in, you know, the actual Germanic pagan times, you know, in 700, you know, CE, there was people worshiping on and honoring Thor and, you know, and Odin and Tyr and Freya. And then I guarantee you there was a small group of people that were trying to do stuff with Fenrir, that were trying to do stuff with Jormungandr and trying to do things with uh, Surt. Uh, to basically oppose those forces. And I guarantee you they exist right now with every religion on the planet. Um, and it's really fascinating because it almost shows you like, what if people stopped honoring the, you know, the more like Odin and Thor side and, you know, there was just the people honoring the snake or stuff like that. Like, would they actually be able to do stuff? Like maybe we're the ones stopping them from doing things. <laughs> well, I think that's actually, that's just more a testament of, you know, the balance. You know, there's always going to be both sides of the coin you know there's always going to be people that connect more to the darker aspects or the you know the downtrodden the not well thought of that sort of thing they grab that seek power that, you know? i think is the best yeah. Way to say it. yeah and that yeah that is well for sure um so yeah i think that I don't know what I think, honestly. I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Welcome I mean, podcast. <laughs> well, like a uh, kind of thing I was I was thinking about that with like the relationship between Thor and Jormungandr in the story is like, do you see that in a like a metaphysical kind of way as far as like a relation between something? That was actually one of the first things that I I asked him because it was kind of um, in the very beginning of like my practice with the Norse faith and and whatnot. Thor was actually the first deity that I you know worked with that I reached out to. Um, and so when I went to, you know, talk to my dragons about it and stuff like that, I was like, oh, you know, there's, there's two dragons and the Norse myths, should I say hello to them? And they're like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it was, it was literally quite literally just like a, hi, bye <laughs> at first. And for quite some time until, you know, I decided that I needed, you know, their wisdom in other ways. But that was one of the questions I, I had asked Jormungandr was like, you know, is what, what's the deal with this you know everyone always says like oh you hate thor and y'all are like fighting you kill each other in the end that sort of thing and he's like it yeah that's what happens that's my purpose that is my role and that's something that you know i have to accept um so that there's no 
and in my experience there was no ill will towards between the two of them in that regard it was just like this is the way that it is this is the way that it needs to be for you know the prophecy to come true and Ragnarok to happen and all that sort of thing it, it's a very much like that self-acceptance of this is what I have to do so I'm going right. to do it yeah I mean we've we've mentioned it before like in a, a couple of times throughout the podcast and stuff like that and just in personal like conversations that I've had with people I'm sure everybody else probably has had similar ones where we don't necessarily have like a good versus evil it's it's that order versus chaos sort of aspect I feel like that's a good way of looking at it whereas you know a very massive primordial and primal you know energy and and being being Jormungandr is that natural chaos you know and it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing it's just it is chaos and then Thor being order you know I think that's I think that's where a lot of people I think more people need to kind of look at a lot of things within the faith in that way and kind of remove that good versus evil because there's really not necessarily i agree yeah i'm just doing a little research here on dragon sorry i interrupt you there um and i just found like an article and it was kind of just like a a big blog on like dragon worship today i'm gonna go down the rabbit hole now i know um and this one right here is interesting uh it's kind of in reference to the chinese specifically because i think it seems like from my my quick little dabblings here the chinese are the most known to have worshipped uh or at least honored the dragons in some way and they saw dragons existing in this the four seas of china and uh this this comment here is is kind of pertaining to the modern world and that the problem today is the faith is quickly becoming an individualist term even religions like christianity uh basically referencing that you know the individual relationship between deity and human uh, you know, back in the day, you know, they saw these beings as just like these big, powerful things that you couldn't really interact with. And now in our modern world, we think that we have these individual relationships with these greater ideas, uh, when that probably isn't the case. We have more of a group consciousness understanding of these much larger picture things that we really can't, like, like we said, you can tap into it, you know, and I think the Chinese believe they could tap into these dragon spirits of the seas, but they couldn't necessarily like, you know, go up and be like, hey, can you like, can you make my day a little better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the sad reality of religion today is that it's very quickly transitioning to you need to help me or I don't believe in you anymore. Oh, yeah. 100%. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. And also just to circle back around real quick before I lose the thought um, of what Ian was saying is if you look at it in order and chaos as well, you know, there's also that dichotomy within Jormungandr's story himself. You know, he's holding Midgard together, you know, with his tail in his mouth and things like that. That's order. Um, just as he is basically the embodiment of, um, wow, English, embodiment of chaos um, in certain regards, as most of Loki's family is, there's also that rigidity and that, that order and that sort of holding everything together as well. So. Well, I believe the Nithog would be a good example of holding uh, order and chaos together because you have the mm-hmm. eagle and Nithog at the same time, uh, very much representing balance. Yeah, that um, <laughs> that's another beast, um, quite literally. Um, but yeah, Nidhogg, in my experience, um, only recently, actually, it was at the, the Odin ritual, which I'm sure this will... <laughs> yeah we did the odin ritual and I, we went down you know to the roots as you were saying you know to the roots and everything and went down to the roots and i saw in the bog there was uh the serpent body 
going and I was like oh no <laughs> oh no because before that I had it was again it was only the hello goodbye this is you know this is neat hog <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like oh no <laughs> and I mean it, it made sense you know because that was a very transform transformative time in, in my life regardless but um yeah I, I later went you know and explored that further but that's another one where people are terrified of meat hogger and that is understandable <laughs> um literally their job is to crunch the bone and transport the spirits from the physical to the afterlife um and that kind of energy is a lot scarier for people that don't i guess work so much with the dead and and with the transition to afterlife and, and things like that um yeah, I think like I've, the thing i've seen with uh uh this this dragon this worm is actually the connection to worms and the way that worms you know basically turn other matter into fertilizer and into a you know a thing that's good for the earth and while it's not necessarily a pretty thing like you know the actual idea of our bodies decomposing in the earth is not a pretty thing it's still a natural process that has to happen. Otherwise, our planet doesn't go on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very much the necessary, you know, the dirty work that nobody really wants to see. It's like a stinky bog, you know, a bunch of snakes and everything, you know, venomous snakes. And yeah, it's not it's not pretty. It's not something that anybody wants to see. And that's why I think people are so terrified of, of things of that nature, because if you're not used to that um, level of power, first of all, um, even with hell, you know, hell's quite powerful in her own way and people can get terrified of her when they see her because they're just not expecting it and they're not used to it and they're not um you know you see something and you feel power and if you don't understand that power you feel fear um it, it's very easy to get that adrenaline rush confused with just the rush of the energies that you're not used to i guess caleb you look like you were going to try to say something earlier what, what did you have before we moved on to nidhogg <laughs> i was going to um speak on the thing of it being kind of funny we brought you know speaking about dragons and serpents everything like that we talked about the uh in the the eastern aspect of it there's a lot of that yin and yang or you know that balancing of you know the i can't i don't know exactly what the, the, the true thing is with yin and yang i think it's like good chi and bad chi or maybe it's positive and negative but you don't really see that a whole it's not talked about a whole lot in like the european aspect but you go and look at the norse everything is a balancing act uh, between order and chaos and i don't know it's kind of I, I just thought it was kind of weird we don't have like a word or like an actual principle for it in the in like the european aspect but they do in asia and maybe that's something that we lost in the past was a word that you know the ancient europeans had for you know the balance of everything i feel like it would be um oh shoot like one of the the terms for like like the soul, like parts of the Norse soul, like Huger or whatever, like that's mm -hmm. the Huger's the mind. And then there's like, um, I, I honestly can't remember, but there's like the aspect that is the luck of a person and the mm -hmm. luck can be transferred between family members. So you can have good luck or bad luck and that can be, you know, broken or changed in a family line. So it's not quite, you know, good or versus evil or bad she versus good she, but this concept of being lucky versus unlucky and how that can kind of transfer. 
So we are closing in on the last 15 minutes or so of this uh, of this podcast. Uh, so, uh, gentlemen and Lauren, think of anything else you want to bring up, but I was just going to do a little plug here for our website because I don't normally do this as far as the podcast, but I think this is a really important thing to talk about. Uh, so if you don't know already, we have started the Fellowship of Northern Traditions officially as a nonprofit religious organization, which is super exciting. Uh, all four of us here are actually fellowship leaders and board members of that organization. And we do have a website. It's northerntraditions.org northerntraditions.org. You can find links on my Instagram page. Um, you can find links on our Fellowship of Northern Traditions Instagram page. It's just Fellowship of Northern Traditions on Instagram. And uh, it's really exciting. We're making a lot of really big moves very quickly. And pretty soon after this episode, we're going to be doing the big push for the hall land and fundraising for that. So uh, we've already had that conversation. We've had that meeting. Uh, we know our budget. And we really just need to put it on to paper and get it out there to everybody. Uh, it's exciting, terrifying, all at the same time. But along with that, we do have a lot of really cool things happening. Uh, we have gatherings happening all over the place. Uh, in fact, all of us are deeply tied into gatherings. I'm helping Claire with our first European gathering in the Netherlands. Uh, Caleb and Lauren, you guys are working on the Beltane gathering in North Carolina, uh, which is really cool. And the location is really cool. Uh, and then Ian, you're helping with the North Central Gathering in Wisconsin, which is coming up in like three weeks. Uh, and then I know myself and Caleb, you're going to be attending, and Lauren, you're attending Ohio as well, correct? Yep. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So we have a lot of cool things coming. And then we also have gatherings uh, coming up in three weeks as well in Pennsylvania, uh, gathering in Oregon planned for the end of the summer. And that's a lot. That's crazy. We're, we're doing a lot over here. Um, so and the thing that's making it so awesome is how much the community supported us, uh, but also all the fellowship leaders involved. Uh, you know, it's making it a fun process, even though it can be a lot of work at times. Uh, so if you're interested in getting more involved, please head over to that website, uh, see what gatherings we have going on. And please stay tuned for that fall, uh, that, <laughs> that hall fundraising. There we go. Got all those words out. Man, I almost got that whole sponsorship out without uh, without messing up. This is very professional. <laughs> do this for a living <laughs> it's almost like he does it for a living i know right well i just did those five youtube videos in a row and so like literally i filmed them back to back and so i was getting really good at the plugs <laughs> like i was worried i'll sound a little robotic by the end because i think they all sounded the same i mean you do um, have the the fancy jacob voice that you put on <laughs> when you have to say the official stuff but yeah it's like right here in my throat you know right yeah. in the middle uh, you know, normally I'm just like, hey, how's it going? But speaking of Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Do we have any other uh, questions for Lauren or about dragons or her spiritual path? Uh, or Lauren, do you have anything else you want to say to make sure people know about the serpents and the worms out there? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start off and just say, basically, I'm the reason it took me quite a long time to volunteer to talk about this on the podcast is because I always feel like trying to put like those disclaimers on like hey you know don't mess with this or you know this is very intense stuff like it sounds very much like I, I don't know I, I always feel like it comes off like don't do this because I'm the only one that can do this because I'm the all-powerful dragon witch right yeah you don't like, want to come off not... as a uh, gatekeeping you know yeah um yeah that for sure and also you know just from a personal standpoint, I don't, I'm, I'm like to think I'm quite a humble person. So I don't, I don't like tooting my own horn in that regard, but um, yeah, but at the same time, it is very, you know, it's a very fulfilling practice and it's a very good way, I think, to learn about yourself and, and, you know, the ways of the world. And um, I didn't really talk about it quite so much, but um, 
my personal practice, you work with the different dragons from all different elements um, is kind of the main thing. So there's different aspects of, of the world and um, the universe and all that sort of thing that you can kind of tap into to, to learn about that energy and also learn about how that relates to yourself. Um, so it's, it's very fulfilling and, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. You know, you definitely need to have a certain type of dedication to working on yourself and an openness to explore those, you know, darker parts of yourself that you don't want to acknowledge They're, they will be confronted. <laughs> you will be confronted with that very, very quickly, very, very early on in your practice, because they want to make sure that you're ready to, to do that. You know, you can't work on your own personal power if you don't understand that you don't have it right now if that makes sense well we've kind of talked about this on the podcast before is like the difference between being like a gatekeeper and a crossing guard where you kind of stop someone like know what you're about to get into all right mm -hmm. i'm not gonna stop you just letting you know what you're about to get into um and i think uh, a good way to kind of show what uh is necessary for this is you mentioned that first communication with with these uh this, these entities it requires trance and meditation so you have to have a, a good understanding of what trance and meditation involves in a spiritual practice um you know you should have a good backing of what these beings are so you need to do that research um you need to you know whatever faith you're in as far as if it's norse pagan or if it's just a, a wicca path or a witchcraft path you know you should probably know a decent amount about that before you start diving into this so there's multiple stages to this and those stages take time and so if you're just getting into this and you hear and think this is cool know that that is something that is going to take time to get to um yeah. you know and you shouldn't just dive in right away and you might get hurt and you might get burned or you might just nothing happen and you end up walking away yeah you gotta take that first step of the staircase what was that Ian? you want to <laughs> say that a little louder <laughs> no that's all you get if you didn't hear it that's all you get <laughs> Yeah, I had a uh, something that I was thinking on earlier, but I didn't. I was trying to sit here and think through everything before I just spit out like a half baked question. Um, but I was trying to sit here and think of the other like serpents and dragons in Norse mythology. And the only ones that I, only other ones I could think of that we haven't spoke of were the ones that were in the, uh, the saga of the Volsungs, and it was Fafnir, um, and the one that Ragnar kills, but I cannot remember its name. Um, once you get to the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok, but both of them started out as serpents, and then once they're put guarding around, or once they hoard something, then they they begin to grow and turn into these nasty dragons and, instead of serpents. So I was curious what your thoughts were on those, as far um, as like the actual like the I'm not sure the actual imagery of it or the implication that like once they get something, then they grow into this nasty horrible creature. Um, so Fafnir was a dwarf, um, first of all. He's not a, a quote unquote true dragon. Um, Fafnir mm. was a dwarf that was so greedy that he was cursed to become a dragon. Um, the other one, I also can't remember the name, but um, to answer the, the heart of your question, I guess that, you know, cause there's dragons like true dragons or whatever, like the European style dragon, there's the um, Eastern style dragon and then there's serpents. So Jormungandr technically is the Midgard serpent, you know, that, mm. I think at a certain point, serpents and dragons, it's kind of just semantics. Um, I think the the main difference is, I guess, the sentient ability. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, but I, I would say like a great serpent would be just just the same sort of energy as, you know, like a European style dragon. Um, whereas like snakes are 
I don't want to say lesser because you know it's they're just an animal, but you know what I mean. They're they're more common um, in a way, and they're less powerful in a way. Um, I'm not quite sure what would constitute the difference, though. That's a good question. Well, I mean, it could just be the difference in, like you said, the like the more elder and the younger as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Ian, you got any last minute things? Oh. All right. Well, we'll get into <laughs> wrap this episode up here. Uh, Lauren, give us one last plug here. Uh, where can people find you if they want to send you hate mail? Um, if you would like to send me hate in my DMs, my Instagram is at Lil Dragon Witch, L-I-O Dragon Witch, all lowercase. Um, I also have an Etsy shop. Uh, it's called Epiphany Essential Apothecary. So if you want to buy some cool Norse themed uh, like bath salts, ritual things, uh, pretty sick beard oil. It's called Odin's Wisdom, named after the one and only. Um, yeah, I've got a bunch of just random stuff. It's basically whatever I feel like making in my ADHD brain goes on that shop. So there's that. Please don't send me hate on there. Leave me good reviews. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I will right, say so that beard oil is, is good shit. Yeah, hate to Instagram business and uh, and money to the, the Etsy place. <laughs> uh, well, and also, if you want to see Lauren in person, uh, you can go uh, check out the website, uh, northerntraditions.org, and go to the Beltane Gathering. How many spots you got open up at the time of uh, recording this? I believe we have about 10 left still. So yeah, we've got a good I was kind of checking that out. It seems like you guys are getting pretty close to full. Yeah. Yeah, which is really exciting. But thank you all. Thank you, Lauren for joining us for this podcast uh, and sharing your experiences with all of us here and our listeners out there, uh, specifically the listeners who make fun of Ian. They're our favorite <laughs> listeners now and the people in the Czech Republic because we're still number two. Uh, so everyone, thank you so much for joining us here. And if you're interested in being on the Folk Podcast like Lauren, send us an email at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got a couple of really cool guests coming up here. Uh, we'll keep those secret for now, but uh, please stay tuned. And uh, we got some really cool stuff coming up. So thank you all so much for joining us. And until the hall, skull. Skull. Oh, that's on point. Oh.